You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at hopeoakville.ca. I believe God answers prayer. And so now I'm more expectant than I was just a few minutes ago. Man, it's good to have prayer warriors like in the, in the, in the vicinity here. Like I see people sitting right around us right now who I know are like fervent prayer intercessors for the Lord. That's such an encouragement as well. You guys keep it up too, man. Let's do battle. Hey, by the way, man, I mean, like, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but, like, this is a battle. This is a battle, man. Even just, like, coming here today and this morning, the battle against darkness, how Satan is so afraid of all of this, man. He's just trying to take down as many people as possible. We stand in the Lord, though. We choose not to fret. Amen. We're not fretting again because the Lord is in control and he is awesome. So let's get our Bibles open to Psalm 37, then. Psalm 37, our third and final week in this encouraging psalm. Our sermon title this week is this, Justice is Coming. Yes, justice is coming. I'm excited. Even when I say that, it fills me with hope. This psalm really is injected with hope. It is injected with hope for you and I today, and it's coming at a good time. Again, this is the bottom line for the final message in our psalm today. Justice is coming, church. Justice is coming. The Lord wants us to know that justice is coming by his hand and his power. Justice is coming. It's so interesting that one of the massive desires of the human heart, think about it, is a longing for justice. We see it all over the place. In every life, every single human being has a sense of right and an awareness of wrong which leads them, every single human being ever, which leads them for a longing for justice. You feel it each day. I feel it each day. Put there by God. The entire story of redemption, as detailed in the Bible, is the cry. Think about this. The entire story of redemption in the Bible is the cry and the outworking of justice by God himself. This whole book, which tells the history of the universe and the world which we live in, is ultimately a book of God unfolding his plan for justice according to his definition and his ways. What's so key as we go through life, though, is understanding that in the end, God Almighty and God ultimately defines true and eternal justice. And the greatest justice that God is concerned with, the whole reason he sent his son, God is concerned with the justice that is coming against sin. The payment for sin in his son Jesus Christ. The deliverance from sin through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So all throughout history, think about this too. All throughout history, story after story, book after book, movie after movie, cries or longs for justice. Think of the millions of works that have ended with a resolution of justice, a happy ending where good triumphs over evil. Time and time and time and time again, these are the plot lines that we witness all the time. There's a longing in each human for justice. Yet know this, no one loves justice more than God Almighty. He has 
and he will deliver it in full soon. And this in Psalm 37 is what filled the heart of David by the Holy Spirit as he wrote over and over again. David encourages God's people with this hope. Five times in Psalm 37, he tells us that God's people will, quote, inherit the land. The hope of reward. I counted 11 times in the psalm where he says in some way, in some form, the wicked will be cut off. The hope of justice, again, served. This psalm is designed by the Holy Spirit for God's people to look beyond their circumstances and to see and know and believe that justice is coming. So the psalm then is a light in the darkness, a beacon of hope. Justice is coming. One of our pastors, he sent this to me this week, and it's clever satire, but look, at it's also true as well. Study finds connection between checking the news and longing for Jesus to return. Like, it is kind of funny, but you look at it and you're like, yes, yes. Isn't that so true? Because in each of us is alive in Jesus Christ, again, we have such a longing for justice in the day when Christ is revealed. Again, I read it this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, that we are waiting for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will sustain us until that time we are presented guiltless on the day of Jesus Christ when he returns. We are waiting for this revelation. Justice is coming. And because this is true, because justice is coming, this now brings us to the remainder of Psalm 37 and our outline, which is this number one. Because justice is coming, I know I cannot be forsaken. I mean, that's an encouraging statement right there. I know I cannot be forsaken if I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 27. Turn away from evil and do good. So you shall dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. Now notice here, I read that quickly. Notice in these verses the word forever occurs three times. You can take a look. So you know I'm not making it up. The word forever occurs three times. It says, so you shall dwell forever. They are preserved forever. You shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. Last time I checked, forever was a long time, right? Forever is a long time. So what, what's happening in these verses, this becomes a supernatural forever sandwich with God's justice and love as the meat. That sounds delicious. I'll have one of those, you say. That's why you're here today. This is being served to you right now. It's a supernatural forever sandwich with the justice of God and the love of God as the meat inside the sandwich. I keep trying to earnestly show you week after week how much the Holy Spirit tells us to live in the light of what is to come. I'm up here every week showing you, look, he says it again, he says it again. Just look at the repetition in these verses. Let alone this entire psalm, right? Again, again, he's telling us over and over again. The Lord explains to us in very clear terms. He loves justice. 
His plan, his will, his sovereignty, all of it leads to justice. So therefore, we know this, as those of us who are saved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord will not and the Lord cannot forsake his saints. You must hear that. The Lord cannot, he will not forsake his saints. Remember this, the resurrection of Jesus does not just point us right to ultimate victory. The resurrection of Jesus Christ guarantees our ultimate victory and our own resurrection with him. Loved ones, you cannot stop, you cannot prevent what God has already secured. Some of you right now, you are here and you are battling Satan's lies. Satan's trying to tell you the opposite this very week. You have been beaten down by lies and oppression and deception. Right now, you must hear again. Listen, in Jesus Christ, there are under no circumstances where you can ever be forsaken. Nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. You shall dwell forever with him. And if you need to, you say that out loud as you're fighting the lies, as you're fighting the enemy, as you're fighting dark thoughts of depression, you say that out loud. I cannot be forsaken in Jesus Christ. Again, even this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 for me, where it says, and you will be presented guiltless. And I'm like, really, Lord, me guiltless, but I'm guilty of sin, but not in Jesus Christ. You will be kept and sustained until that day presented guiltless before the Father because of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. You cannot, you cannot be forsaken. Now what's important here is our entire context of our psalm is what? Evil and darkness and difficulty that's surrounding David and God's people. So David is writing to a people who are fretful. Remember, fretful here is not worried in the Hebrew. It's more like they're angry. They're steaming mad. They're hot under the collar. They're fighting against rage at the evil around them that seem to be prospering while they are suffering in themselves. It's right there in verse 27. Look at verse 27. Turn away from evil. Don't give in to evil. Don't give in to the the rage of the day. Turn away from evil and do good. This is the hope. Ready, church? Struggle temporarily, be with God for eternity. Struggle temporarily, the massive message of God's word, but then be with God for eternity. That's why we sing it over and over again even today. We sing that truth over and over again today. Have you noticed how many worship songs speak of trial and storms and difficulty and suffering? Like sometimes I'm like, I can't find a worship song that doesn't have a line in there of some kind of storm coming in. How many people writing these songs are experiencing the storms and battles of life? Like everyone. I thought of that yesterday. Listen to worship music at my home. Another song just detailing the storms and difficulty. Like, well, it's not just me apparently. It's like everyone's fighting the battle. And we're longing for the day it's going to be done. Amen. That's supposed to be the way we are. The Bible tells us that again and again and again and again. But we don't give up and don't lose heart because we know that we cannot be forsaken. So this is, this is so interesting. I love this too. You, you see the word dwell in these verses? The word dwell there speaks in the Hebrew of a, quote, settled residence after a nomadic wandering. I'll say that again. The word dwell speaks of a settled residence after a nomadic wandering. You see the word forever carries the meaning of a final settling down 
after a long period of instability. A final settling down after a a long period of instability. Do you relate to that? I relate to that. Do you relate to that? I mean, you just kind of feel like you're walking around in this world. I was going for a walk last night just to kind of before into bed and, and praying for today and through my neighborhood, just a small walk, and just looking around and saying, pardon me, I just, I don't, this, this, this is not where I belong ultimately. There's too many things happening where I'm just like, why, why does that bother me? Or why does that make me feel strange? Or how come I feel like such an exile? Because you are, Simons. Because this is not your home. You are a sojourner. You are a stranger, the Bible says. We are made for more than this. And the text is telling us we are nomads, wandering, not yet home. So if you feel that way, you're right on track with where you should be. Your heart and the Holy Spirit in you, you know and you groan. You groan for more than this. You groan physically, you groan emotionally, and yes, most of all, you groan spiritually. This past week, again, I woke up with injuries. Just woke up with new injuries. Don't know how I got them. Don't know where they came from. That's a physical groaning for what is to come. You wake up with groaning spiritually. Wake up groaning emotionally. Wake up groaning psychologically. We are exiles and strangers in this world because this is not our home. Oh, the Lord loves justice. Listen, the day is coming soon. When every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The day is coming soon where all will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. The clouds of heaven and with great glory and power. The day is coming soon, church, where the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. The day is coming soon where he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. This is our hope. All these verses speak of justice because the Lord loves justice and therefore I know no matter what happens, I cannot be forsaken. Because justice is coming, I cannot be forsaken. Secondly, because justice is coming, I will walk in the wisdom of God. Look what happens now in verse 30. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. So verse 30 and 31, watch this, church, right? Justice is coming. Notice the correlation now between God's wisdom and God's word. If you want to walk and speak wisdom, you must dwell in God's word. No exceptions. Notice, his heart is filled with the law of God, verse 31. His life, then, is led by the wisdom of God, verse 30. Notice the Bible says, because justice is coming, I must walk in wisdom. If I want to walk in wisdom, I must be in the Word. If you want wisdom, it won't be found apart from the Bible. Notice the righteous are tempted by the lies of the wicked. But the Lord leads them, verse 30, to speak justice. 
See, because they're so saturated by God's word, because they had the law of God in their heart, they refuse to capitulate to the lies of the world. They will live not by lies. They can't go along with that which they know is false. And the way they discern what is right and discern what is wrong is that their heart, again, is filled with the Word of God. That is such an important application for our day today. So many are tempted in this area, tempted to give in to the culture, tempted to say things that aren't true because it takes courage not to. But those who are righteous in the Lord, those who are filled with wisdom in God's Word, notice they will utter wisdom, they will speak justice. So it's like um, that uh, national census we had a few months ago. And it was question number three. Something along the lines of, have you changed your genders? I, whatever it said. I'm here reading it. I'm just like, what, what, it doesn't make any sense. Like that is, that's impossible. I'm just so frustrated, right? Like trying not to fret. And there you are, and you're looking at it, you're like, what, what, what universe are we living in that this is ending up on a census of our nation? And at the end, there's a comment section. I just, I just had to say, hopefully they took the tone politely and, and, and gently, but just, but just like, question three makes no sense. It's illogical, it's irrational, it's nonsensical. Please stop the madness. I said that. I, I just can't go along with that. I can't go along with that. That isn't true, right? And it, it's going to come at whatever it comes. But just again, choosing to speak justice, choosing to speak what's true because we know, we know it's true. God helps us do love and humility and gentleness, but God help us to do it. It's going to be hard, eh? A lot of people aren't in love and humility and love and humility and love and humility and grace and grace and grace and love and humility, but oh, truth. I love the protection that God's word brings. And in verse 31, notice, man, this verse is dear to me too. His steps do not slip. The law of God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. Think of the people slipping in our day. So many people slipping. So many people slipping. Every single person who slips is slipping away from the word of God. Think about that. Every Christian leader who fails, every unbeliever in scandal, they're all disobeying the word of God. Because when you disobey the word of God, you put yourself on very slippery footing. Slipping in scandal, slipping in celebrity, slipping in sensuality, slipping in cynicism. But the word of God gives us supernatural footing. This past winter, sorry to bring up winter. But this past winter, I was hiking up a ski mountain with my family. And the first time I just had normal boots. And it was very icy conditions. It was like March time. And so it was like thaw and melt and froze again. And very icy. It's very, very difficult to walk up a ski mountain when it's icy and you just had normal boots. It was very hard and it was very, sometimes very dangerous. The next day I was introduced to these things called snow cleats. You put them on your boot and they're like grips, whatever. I'm just like, wow, that's an ingenious invention. I mean, just like, it's a, it's a game changer. Now you're walking up this kind of treacherous conditions, but you have footing and you are secure and you're able to progress. That's what the Word of God does for us without a doubt. Last week, our entire message was, I'm with the Lord, and now this week, it's with, I'm with the Lord, then I'm in His Word. No exceptions. If I'm with the Lord, then I'm in His Word. This is what protects us from slipping. It was a month ago that I stepped on a slippery section of 
granite rock. I didn't see it, and I wish I did, because I stepped, and I, woohoo, and I went up, and bam, on my back, and as I lay there for a few seconds saying, I'm too old for this, you know, like in middle of the air, you're like, I'm going to break my back, like, I'm not ready for this impact, and you're lying there, and you're just like, my wife's just up a few steps, and she's like, are you okay, and just like, you know what I mean, slowly getting up, you look down, I didn't see that there, man, that really hurt, falling hurts, doesn't it, falling hurts. That's what happens when we are not in the word of God for the protection that it brings that we might see progress and protection again in this life. So many people are in so much pain because they've slipped and they've fallen away from the Lord. But justice is coming. And because justice is coming, then I must walk. I must walk in the wisdom of God. Psalm 119 has 176 verses, 172 of them mention God's word in some form. Here are four. Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Talk about protecting from slipping. The word of God becomes our purity. Who's that for today? Everyone. Next verse. 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. God's word becomes our direction. I don't know where to go. You have to be in God's word. The single greatest method that God uses to show us and guide us. Next verse. Verse 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. God's word then is my wisdom. Without God's word, I cannot be wise. Lastly, Psalm 119, 133, keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity get dominion over me. God's word becomes our stability, right? Because justice is coming, I double down, I triple down on the reality that I must live in the word of God. What, what, what is so concerning to me and discouraging to me in the times where it matters the most and COVID has really create a separation this, this season is some are doubling down, some are falling away and being distracted away from God's word. We hear it say, listen, because justice is coming more than ever, get in God's word. You must walk in wisdom. More than ever, you need wisdom. More than ever, more than ever, you need truth. More than ever, you've got to hear God's voice. More than ever, you need to be in church to hear his word preached more than ever. Be surrounded with others that are, that are encouraging you in the wisdom and word of God. More than ever, we need the institute for people to sign up and grow in maturity in the word of God that they may be wise for the days that we live. More than ever. More than ever than this church has existed. More than ever right now. Because justice is coming. Number three, because justice is coming, I will wait and watch for the Lord. I will wait and watch for the Lord. Look at verse 34 now. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. Notice in the first line of verse 34, notice, notice the call for patience. Wait for the Lord. And then notice the call for perseverance. Keep his way. See that? Patience. Wait for the Lord. And then notice the call for perseverance. 
keep his way. It reminds us of verse 7 again. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the ones who are doing evil. Wait for the Lord. Hey, um, waiting is easier said than done, isn't it? We're not very good at waiting, are we? I mean, just watch yourself in traffic. Watch yourself in the drive through line. Watch yourself at the grocery store line. Watch yourself waiting for food at a restaurant. It's amazing how bad we are at waiting. And yet waiting for the Lord is a huge part of our discipleship. Waiting for the Lord. Waiting for the Lord. Again, read that today personally. Waiting for the Lord. Are we willing to wait for the Lord and go without? Are we willing to wait for the Lord and be disliked? Are we willing to wait for the Lord and serve others and be selfless in our day? Are we willing to wait for the Lord and give to the kingdom and to see the mission of the church go forward? Are we willing to wait for the Lord and endure and suffer through affliction as we long for that day when he is revealed? Are we willing to wait for the Lord as culture turns against Christ? Are we willing to wait for the Lord and forego comfort and ease? Are we willing to wait for the Lord and all these things? They're all penetrating questions. Are we willing to wait for the Lord? You know, one of my concerns during COVID is to watch many seem to move impulsively and move with haste with major decisions. I think the last 18 months or so, man, it's some people, they just kind of like... It's really agitated, it's stirred up emotion, it's created fear, it's, it's created a sense of anxiety. If they're not really rooted in the Lord, all of a sudden I think decisions are being made at times, not always, but at times impulsively and with some impetuousness. Personally, I strongly caution any major decisions during this time. I just think there are too many subjective and emotional factors that can hinder our wisdom. I think you need to be super careful. Just make sure you know if it's so subjective, you need some objectivity right there with God's word to make sure, again, these decisions that you are seeking to make. I myself have been trying to do that too. There's so much swirling. There's so much happening. The call for patience, the call to be wise, the call to watch, the call to wait. Remember, in these last 18 months, so many emotions are stirred up. Emotions are great followers, lousy leaders. Remember that. If you're led by your emotions, you're in trouble. Emotions, again, great followers, lousy leaders. That's a little bit of a micro perspective. Our texture is seeing on the macro as well, though. In verse 34, he says, you wait and then you watch. Notice, you will look on when the wicked are cut off. In verses 35 and 36, David repeats the idea of how quickly the wicked will wither. And again, the psalm says, like it did previously, you will look for them and not find them. You will try to search them out, but the wicked will be gone, gone forever. Be patient. Wait and look on. Watch for the ways of the Lord. He loves justice and justice is coming. So right now, the Lord's saying to us, where are our lives and the situations we have? The Lord's saying, listen, listen, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. 
hold on. It's coming. God's time, not ours. God's timing, not ours. Wait for it. Wait for it. And you will watch the Lord do exactly as he has promised. Practically speaking, right now, some of you, hey, wait, wait, wait for, wait for the Lord. How do I wait for the Lord? What does it mean exactly to wait for the Lord? Great question. Let's let Psalm 37 answer that up until this point. Because I think Psalm 37 answers that perfectly as we go through. Look at this slide right here. Notice this. How do we wait for the Lord according to Psalm 37? Verse 3. Trust in the Lord. To trust in the Lord is to wait in the Lord. Delight in the Lord is to wait in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Father, here's my life, here's my plan, here's my thing. It's waiting on the Lord. Be still before the Lord, verse 7. Be still and know that I'm God. And I'm very big on big, big, deep spiritual breaths. Like literally walking through the day and whatever it is, and I feel anxiety rushing on and just... And then just like centering myself in Christ. What do I know is true? Who do I know is in control? How much do I love my Savior? Who knows all things? Be still before the Lord. And then one of our favorites, fret not yourself before the Lord, verse 8. This is to wait for the Lord and keep his way. Those things will lead us to a place where we are waiting for the Lord. Loved ones, justice is coming. Justice is coming. Fourthly and finally this. Justice is coming, therefore, I will hope in God's help. I will hope in God's help. Look at verse 39 now. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Man, what a couple of verses, okay? I want you to notice several key words here, okay? Look at verse 39 again. Salvation. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. Notice, stronghold. The Lord is their stronghold in times of trouble. Amen. Verse 40, helps them. The Lord helps them and delivers them. Delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked, saves them. He saves them. God saves his children. They take refuge. God is a refuge for them as well. I mean, what a couple of verses of hope. I mean, to put this in a phrase, those who are saved in Christ are those who are secure in Christ. If you are saved, you are secure. Notice, he's got you. He's for you. He delivers you. He protects you. He keeps you. He helps you. Oh, Jesus calls you in love today. Are you not yet saved in Jesus Christ? Again, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? All these promises. You can come under the protection and love and forgiveness and life and security and guarantee of eternal life and victory over death all under Jesus Christ. I implore you, man, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Jesus is the answer. For those who are fearful, the Lord is your Savior. For those who are threatened, the Lord is your protector. For those who are weak and weary, the Lord is your helper. For those who are attacked, the Lord is your deliverer. For those battered by storms, the Lord is your shelter. 
Justice is coming. Justice is coming. He will keep you. But until then, listen, but until then, church, we hope in God's help. Look at the help in these verses. Oh, Lord, help your people today. Lord, help your people today. In Jesus' name right now. In Jesus' name for all the hurt and all the stress and all the weariness and all the fatigue and all the concern. Help your people today. Cry out to the Lord, the helper. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Jesus in John 14, he says, and I will send you another helper. Another helper, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you forever. And I will give to you another helper, the very Holy Spirit who lives within us. He is defined as our helper, our comforter, our teacher, our counselor, our paraclete, our helper. Father, help your, help your children today. All the different needs. May we hope, O oh Lord, in your help. Isn't it so true again through the psalm? I always want us to see. God doesn't promise us a freedom from difficulty and trials and suffering. In fact, he promises us difficulty, trials, and suffering. But he promises that he will be our help in the midst of them. Who needs to renew themselves in God's help today? You've been distracted. It's time to be devoted. You've wandered. It's time to worship. You've tried self-sufficiency. It's time to admit your inadequacy. Father, we need your help. Help your church today. Let's bow our heads, church. Let's bow our heads. I want to pray specifically over those today who are in places of weakness. I want to pray specifically over those today who are in places of discouragement, fatigue, stress, worry, anxiety, feeling helpless, tempted with fear, I want to pray specifically over those people today that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are crying out, God, I need your help again. And by faith, I am praying that the Lord himself will draw near to you because he loves you and cares for you. He cannot forsake you. Nothing will separate you from God's love. He is for you. He protects you. He will deliver you. He is coming back for you. Jesus says, if I go, I go to prepare a place for you, but I will return and take you to where I am. And Jesus is returning soon because justice is coming. Who needs God's help today? Who needs God's help today? Father, you know how much I long for the power and the intimacy of the Holy Spirit to minister among your people and your church. And Lord, I, I'm assuming I'm not alone in that prayer. So Father, as we seek to draw near to you right now, your promise is that you will draw near to us. So I pray right now, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with faith in the power of the Holy Spirit, that you will reveal yourself once again as the awesome helper of the weak. As the awesome and beautiful Savior 
to those who need rescue. As the incredibly beautiful healer to those who are broken. As the one who gives faith to those who fight fear. Lord, help your church right now, I pray. Be so near to individual after individual. Bring comfort. We need you, Lord. We need you. And so we pray this is an unusually blessed season at this church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.